but I want to pick that wine that's going to be like, he's going to have one sip and be like, this is right up my alley. Mainly wine and beer at Christmas, but New Year's Eve is more about cocktails and stepping out a bit more. If I think about, you know, a 40 degree day, I just think spritz. Like, that's it for me. It is that time of year. And by that, I mean it is that thirsty time of year. We are gathered today to talk drinks with over a glass host, Shante Whale. Hey, Shante. Hi, guys. How are you? And Deep in the Weeds host and my co host on The Producers, Anthony Huckstep. Welcome, Huck. G'day, guys. Great to be here with you. Uh, It's always so nice to gather as part of the Deep in the Weeds network and do fun, cool things just because we can and because we love to chat food and drink. So, Shante, you are our expert today, host of a drinks podcast, Sommelier Extraordinaire. I'm going to start by asking you, what are you loving at the moment? What's feeling like summer to you? Oh, God, there's so many great things out at the moment. It's kind of, I'm in a bit of a pickle for what to drink when. I end up having to, you know, look in the fridge and I take a little bit and I'm like, just choose something. It's a bit like jumping onto Netflix, right, when you spend the time just deciding what what you want to have. But there's just so much coming out and there's so much competition at the moment. It feels like New Zealand is, you know, you know on the the forefront of what they're doing and Australia's doing really well. We're getting a lot more imports as well. So there's just so much happening. Um, I'm, I'm really a big gin drinker, so I'm always looking for new and exciting gins. So, you know, the kind of spritzes, making a little spritz, adding a bit of gin in, that's kind of where I'm at the moment, just because I can use different vermouths and different gins and maybe a different sparkling and whatever I've got open. So I've been kind of playing with that a little bit at the moment. The amount of vermouths out there right now are so exciting. The Australian vermouths with different bittering agents and botanicals, I think that they've kind of got a bad rap. So I think that at the moment I'm, I'm into trying lots of different vermouths and seeing what works and playing around and adding different garnishes. I love that. Um, Huck, what are you loving at the moment? You look thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving that the weather's a bit warmer. And, you know, in, in the past, um, sort of mid-strength beers or light beers were sort of frowned upon. And I'm loving sitting on the front step in the afternoon with my wife and uh, the sun sort of beating down and um, having a either a non-alcoholic beer or a mid-strength beer um, in the afternoon. And it's spectacular. And you can have, you know, one or two and you don't sort of get sleepy by dinner time, um, which, which is quite nice. And um, yeah, that's, that's, it's just, just such a nice thing to do, to sit on the front porch and just um, chill out with a non-alcoholic beer, which, which, you know, they're amazing these days. Shante, it's really interesting hearing you talk about you know, imports and New Zealand, you know, how how patriotic should we be? I mean, I, I feel like over the past couple of years, it's been, you know, everyone's been going through everything and it's been like, for me, like support Victorian, support Australian. But of course, you know, I've been wanting to explore the world as well. Like, how do you sort of balance that out? I think just having an awareness of kind of what is your local, what 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 do we do really well? But then also, you know, you have to, we're Australian, we want to travel, we want to experience the world. So you also want to see what else is happening. So I think that knowing what we do really well in Australia, um, perhaps, you know, 
like we said, the gin game's incredibly strong right now. Our wine varietals are just going through the roof in terms of alternate varietals. But it's great to kind of go, you know, where did that varietal originate? You know, maybe it's something Spanish and, and comparing it against, say, a Tempranillo um, from Spain, but then also looking at an Australian example. So I think it's just try and be informed so that you can kind of say, actually, I know what craft beers down at my local kind of pubs, but then also at the same time, you know, maybe check out a Czech Pilsner against a, you know, a new Aussie little Pilsner. Mm, I love that idea. I mean, you know, Christmas and the holidays, it's such a time of tradition and we're told, you know, don't try something new when you're cooking for guests. But what about trying something new on the drink side of things? Like, do you think we need to play it safe or is this a little bit of a time of exploration and dare I say it, danger? (laughs) I think it depends on your family, doesn't it? I mean, (laughs) I'm happy to try out. They're like my guinea pigs, so I don't mind uh, giving them something a bit wacky and seeing their response. But at the same time, it depends on my uh, in-laws family. I'd probably go with the tried and tested stuff because I really want them to enjoy it and I want to make sure that I've got like, the right wine for, you know, my father-in-law who really loves his red. I want to pick that wine that's going to be like, he's going to have one sit and be like, this is right up my alley. Whereas with my family, I kind of, yeah, if it goes all all astray and, uh, I don't know, the punch is too strong, it only gets more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter, does it? They're family, so they have to tolerate it. Exactly. <laughs> Danny, what sort of speaks of drinks uh, in summer for you? Well, for me, if I think about, you know, a 40 degree day, I just think spritz, like that's it for me. And yeah, I always just think Venice, baking hot August. Uh, Yeah. And just looking forward to whatever seemed like a a seemly time to have the first drink. Uh, So yeah, for me, it's it's definitely a spritz. So, um, and just pretty classic, like I like it really bitter. So I want, you know, quite a, quite um, quite a dry sparkling to, to top it. Um, yeah, just like a tall glass, lots of ice. Uh, yeah, but not too tall because I want to be able to go back for another one. <laughs> not too much ice, otherwise it waters it down as well. It's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So definitely that. And I think I'm not a massive beer drinker, but I think in summer that's when I will have a beer. And I, I love, you know, what you're saying about the mid-strength and some of the sours. I think um, they they really speak to me in some of those fruity beers. You know, I'm not going to session on them, but um, just as a refresher, I think that they're really a really nice way to sort of punctuate a, a, an afternoon or an evening. Um, yeah, I, I think there's so much to explore out there. And I think, you know, beer is something where it's not a huge investment. So you can experiment a little bit and, and try and try things. I, th- I feel like cider's in the same sort of vein as well. I, I like to dip into the odd cider during summer as well. Um, but definitely I, I sort of echo what you said about sour beers. It's definitely not a session nail, but it's it's really refreshing. And um, it's almost like a spritz in the beer category in, in that sense of the way that it makes you feel. And um, you can sort of slam them down fast like a well-known soft drink. <laughs> totally. Um, Shante, I'd love to ask you about matching. Uh do you pick wines to go with, you know, traditional Christmas foods like seafood or turkey or ham? Yeah, but I think that it's a bit, for me, Christmas is a bit of that expression of abundance, you know, so I don't want to kind of say, here's the wine that's going to go perfectly with your oysters and and kind of dictate to people like that. I like to have an array of different wines and kind of pop them on the table and let people, you know, 
pick and choose. And I feel the same a little bit with, with a meal as well. It's a little bit about having a, a little bit of over and excess and then you can kind of delve in and decide what you have. And, you know, it depends how responsible you are, whether you feel completely ill and you've overindulged at all, which a lot of us do, or if you've um, been really sensible and, and uh, had one or two pieces of seafood and just tried one wine. But who does that? Yeah, I think definitely it's a grazing time, isn't it? So, yeah, you want to try a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We, we had a really fun um, sort of get-together recently, um, my our father-in-law's birthday, and the on the invite it said, bring your favourite wine. So there was about 30 people in the room and they brought along their favourite wine and then everyone sort of talked about and shared the different wines. And that was a really interesting way to find out, A, about a person and the way they drink and also something that you might like or that you've never had before. It was a really fun way to sort of um, approach a party with, with wine. Do you remember what you brought? I do. <laughs> I brought um, the Cullen Amber, which, um, which is a, a great table wine in our house. That's, and that's such a good wine for a talking point, but also to go with so many dishes. But I like that someone said favorite wine and not like your most impressive wine or a wine you think other people would enjoy, because then it, you can just talk about why you really love it. And then if nobody else does, then it doesn't really matter. <laughs> that's right. And it doesn't have to break the bank. And that's the thing about great beverages. They don't have to be really, really expensive to be fantastic. Um, Huck, have you got any fave memories of summer drinks? Or summer sessions. Oh, geez, geez, I don't know that none that I'd want to record. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's it's a funny time of year because I, I I drink differently at Christmas as I do in New Year's, and so I have like fond memories about um, uh, uh, having yeah, do, like wine and um, but mainly wine and beer at Christmas um, with with maybe a spirit, but. New Year's Eve is more about cocktails and um, sort of stepping out a bit more and sort of it's almost like um, Sydney versus Melbourne, you know, the legs are kicking New Year's Eve and Melbourne is more refined and uh, a more, uh, yeah, more refined drinking experience. (laughs) (laughs) Melbourne turns it on for New Year's Eve as well, mate. So uh, (laughs) I remember last New Year's Eve, I was over the road at the neighbours and we were just drinking margaritas um, and it was really hot. And I remember having my um, up to my ankles in their kiddies paddling pool around midnight and yeah, listening to the fireworks. Uh, So yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, party cocktails for New Year's Eve for sure. Um, Shantae, have you got any favourite summer drinking memories? Um, I probably do have one with my husband. When we first started dating, I lived in this little apartment uh, in Newtown. It was a studio apartment and it was just a hot box. That was what he would call it because it had no air con. It was just scorching. And I remember we decided to uh, hang out one night um, and it ended up being like 45 degrees day. And we ended up just trying to cool down in this tiny apartment. And he introduced me to what's called Bogan air conditioning, which is like um, a tea towel soaked in water and then frozen in in the in the freezer. So we had those kind of on top, like our hat. And uh, he was drinking VB and I, I wasn't a huge beer fan at the time. So I was making beer shandies. And I just remember just, you know, like having, you know, sopping wet you know, singlet and this ridiculous hat on and thinking, this is actually pretty romantic. (laughs) So, I I still to this day, and I don't know, if you're a spritz girl, maybe you wouldn't mind it be a shandy because they can really kind of turn you around, I think. 
I grew up on shandies. Yes. I, I think they're fantastic. Good. Absolutely fantastic. And Danny, I had a I had a sort of mental blank when you asked me about a Christmas story. But when I used to work in in restaurants, I used to work Christmas Day and and cook in the kitchens and stuff. When I was in my early twenties, and we would always get the massive Hobart out and make a giant eggnog. And the kitchen team and the wait staff would just be drinking that all day as they're serving people. And I'm not sure if it was illegal or not, but um, possibly not. But um, but we just had like litres and litres and litres of eggnog, which was probably um, highly alcoholic. But it certainly um, lifted the Christmas spirits as we were trying to feed 350 people. Oh, I'm not sure if there's a recommended dose of the eggnog, but I feel you may have exceeded it. <laughs> but Shante, it makes me want to talk to you about working through this summer period because because, I mean, for, you know, it's probably pretty new for you that you're not in a restaurant over the Christmas New Year period looking after everybody else. I mean, what 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 was that like? What were those rhythms like? Yeah, what a weird flip of the cards. It's quite, um, it's quite bizarre, actually, to have time to, first of all, I need to, I can't, I haven't got an excuse not to shop for people now. So, because I've got, you know, all this time apparently on my hands on maternity leave. So, um, I'm like, oh man, I can't just give everyone wine that I'd buy out of the key cellar and just to hand out to everyone. Now I've got to actually put some effort in. But, um, you know, Christmas in a restaurant is it's hectic and, and amazing at the same time. And, you know, we'd always put on this big Christmas feast and we'd all have ridiculous amount of prawns and and every kind of slow cooked meat you can have and then you go into service feeling absolutely rubbish you know with this huge stomach just like oh god i just want to have a nap um and i actually miss the i'll miss the camaraderie between the chefs and everybody who gets up early to make that happen and and afterwards you know having like you said if the chefs are on it it's a punch of some kind that they've made that you don't know what they've put in there and you're like we don't have to, you know, get absolutely loaded off the first drink, but it's not maybe how they work. So, <laughs> I remember the punch afterwards being pretty crazy, but I am looking forward to a quieter, um, maybe more planned out and more relaxing uh, year this year with my feet up. Mm, that's yes, well, so, so well deserved after after all those years in the trenches. I feel like more and more, you know, families or groups of friends are having Christmas and New Year celebrations in restaurants. You know, it's like some people are really, I don't know, they haven't got back into the swing of hosting after all lockdowns and stuff, or it just feels like it's you know it's a lot of work, or perhaps you know no one can decide whose ham is better, so we're gonna just like take it take it outside, take it off site. I mean, what kind of trends have you seen over the years, Shante, in terms of people eat, taking you know celebrating these occasions in restaurants? Yeah, that you see such a mix. I always thought it would be people traveling or that are away from home, but you see the retirees that come in that have, you know, hosted Christmas for a long time and just want to, you know, their their kids might be overseas and they just want to have a nice indulgent meal, just the two of them. Um, you definitely see the families with the kids that come in, um, and then also lots of traveling people. So it, you see such a mix, but at the end of the day, the people that came in were the ones that wanted to be fussed upon and they wanted to have a really beautiful meal where, it, you know, the, the drinks were considered, the thought food was thoughtful and that they could look out on the harbor and just enjoy Sydney. And anyone that walks in with that kind of attitude is going to have a good day. And that's what's so nice. And, and and often the people were so gracious that you were there working. They knew that you'd probably rather be with your family or somewhere else. And so their attitude was like, thanks for working. Merry Christmas. And the, the vibe was always really lovely. Danny Grossi has that family tradition. Um, 
you, you did the Christmas at Grossi, didn't you? Yeah, last year I did that with my daughters. It just happened to be us in town for the day and we did our family Christmas, I think, on Christmas Eve. Um, yeah, it was really special. Uh, I think in that sense you're stepping into somebody else's tradition, uh, this Italian family Christmas and the Grossi family is, you know, so tight and has uh, such a, a grand tradition of hosting you know, lucky Melburnians for Christmas Day. So, yeah, it was, you know, there was singing, there was Santa, there were people who clearly are there every single year at the same table. So, yeah, it was um, it was a real privilege to step into that. Um, and certainly the wine that's served is, you know, part of the experience, you know, very thoughtfully chosen with a, a menu that, yeah, really speaks to tradition, but has a few little seasonal and contemporary tweaks along the way. So, yeah, I feel like I, we'll be back, you know, at mum and dad's this Christmas day, but that was a really special interlude. Shante, non-alcoholic beverages have really come to the fore and we've culturally, culturally we've let go of the fact that it's okay to, you know, it's okay to drink them, you know, like we were so caught up in it not being masculine enough, but not just beer, but there's all sorts of non-alcoholic beverages. Do you, do you have a sort of go-to or guide of, of some of the good ones that out there if people want to tip into that sort of area? Yeah, and I actually think we need to embrace them, not as um, in, in all kind of forms, whether you're not having an alcoholic day where you need something as a mixer. I mean, maybe they'll kill me for saying that, but I've definitely used some of the the no, you know, no gin, gin tonics with gin and they're still delicious. <laughs> but I think um, one of the drinks that really surprised me actually came from um, Woolworths and it's called No Ugly and it's actually from a New Zealand husband and wife team and they're a mix of incredible tonics and they, you know, they're non-GMO, vegan friendly, um, using all sustainable ingredients, but really um, eclectic mixes. So one might be kind of pineapple and then it's called No Ugly Targeting Skin. So it's got like collagen and a few other things added so that you can feel really good about them. They're low in sugar, but they're most importantly, they're utterly delicious. They don't need anything added to them. You know, uh, with the pineapple one, I, I add a bunch of just mint as a garnish over ice, but I can't believe how incredibly good they are. And they're, they're not ridiculously pricey that you find them in the um the kind of gluten-free section right down the bottom but as soon as I tapped into that I, I was like these are incredible drinks I mean you know if I'd come onto them earlier I might have been serving them at key in on the non-alcoholic pairing they're that good if I was allowed that's amazing the health benefits thing is is fascinating normally um you, you would be the one drinking to make other people look better but it sounds like you can drink this one to make yourself look better i'm, I'm all for That's that genius isn't it <laughs> i'm a big rap for um the non non-alcoholic drinks which are these um quite complex beverages made in melbourne using all kinds of different um, spices and native ingredients and they work as a, as a beautiful drink by themselves but also as a mixer um, with alcoholic or non-alcoholic spirits. Um, and I think, yeah, there's, there's so much work going on in that space. Uh, yeah, that's really yeah, flavour forward, experience forward. I think it's a really exciting space. And even the um, amount of um, lower alcohol 
wines and also local alcohol drinks like the seltzers and things coming on board. Like you said, we've got those mid-strength beers. It doesn't have to be one or the other. You can also choose a bunch of different drinks that, like you said, you can have a few and not feel a little tipsy or, or productive later in the day or still be involved or, you know, for a lot of people traveling on Christmas is important and they've got to go somewhere. They want to have a celebratory drink, but they don't want to have to be risking driving later. So I think some of those seltzers and things like that can be great. Yeah. Well, speaking of traveling, I mean, a lot of people do head to the coast over summer. Do you think what you ch- what you drink changes if you're, you know, depending on location? Is there, is there a drink that you reach for because you're by the beach? I think a lot of people look for like, or well, I think beer is always something that goes hand in hand with the beach. Um, I think just because, you know, like it's one drink and it comes in a tin or it comes in a bottle rather than taking a, a bottle of wine or things like that. But at the moment, everything's in a tin, right? So you can get, you know, white wine in a tin, you can get pre-made spritzes, you can get everything these days. It's one kind of serve. So I think just being mindful because look, as an Aussie, I love the beach, but I don't really necessarily think of swimming and drinking together. I kind of find them quite separate. So, um, (laughs) you know, we've got pretty tumultuous surf here. It's not like a cruise (laughs) in a pond. So, um, I think if you're beach going, look for something that's pre-made in a mix. But other than that, um, you know, if you're, if you're kind of in the park, it's something, again, that you can kind of put into a, a cooler bag or something that's probably not in glass that you can kind of take with you and you're not struggling with your Riddell glasses or your beautiful things are going to, they're going to get broken. It's going to be a bit kind of toss and tumble and, and that's the way it should be. Yeah, I guess um, we drink, we go camping and drink a few special cocktails, you know, people have got their specialty. So there's Jen who soaks light cheese in vodka and then makes a cocktail in the evening. So, you know, when you see the light cheese soaked in the morning, you know, there's a little cocktail party happening at sunset. So I think there are those really nice traditions that um, that you can build around those those summer occasions. I, lo- I love that. It sounds uh, indulgent and delicious. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well... I'd love to wrap up by hearing your three drink picks for summer. Huck, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Well, um, one of my all-time favourite drinks ever is uh, Amaro on ice with uh, like an orange rind or something. But in summer, it might be controversial and I might upset some people, but I like actually having it with soda, So, um, which is a really light drink, but you still get that herbaceousness and the bitterness. Um, and it's just, it's stunning. It's, I mean, it's it's pretty much down the spritz line but um it's just so refreshing and um because um amaro is one of my favorite things not at the finet end of the spectrum more more your sort of um averna and montenegro that sort of end um yeah i don't need to be drinking listerine personally but um (laughs) (laughs) can i give a shout out to beechworth bitters um, oh they're fantastic michael ryan's amaro brand and i actually had one last night on ice and i felt like it was actually illegal to put amaro with anything but i thought in the privacy of my own home i would be allowed to have it on ice but now i'm here i'm allowed to have it with soda as well yeah well look look there'll be people upset (laughs) upset about that but look it's my mouth and i'll do what i want with it all right what's your number two (laughs) okay so well beer definitely and you know i like to have a couple of old favorites like a kieran or a resha's in the fridge but i do like tapping into the sour beers as as you mentioned or even you know the non-outs like uh, heaps normal um they're they're a lot of fun um and so i think you know if you don't have beer in the fridge in summer like you need to have one in there for you know 
just for, you know, it's like having, you have to have cheese in the fridge. Like it's just something that you have to have in your fridge at all times in summer. Rules. And have you got a final drink for us? Yeah, definitely. And I was sort of going a bit higher in the spectrum here, but because summer is such a celebration of seafood, um, you know, something like a, an aged Vat One Semillon from um, from Tyrrells, um, which is, you know, one of my all-time favourite wines in Australia. Um, absolutely stunning way to drink wine and, and eat seafood. It's um, their extraordinary bit of age on it, and it's one of the best things you'll ever drink. Love it. All right, Shante. Fill us up. That's pretty good, I have to say. I mean, and I totally agree with you. Uh, Semion and, and seafood and, you know, you, that's the cream of the crop. So, he's done very well there. Um, I, I definitely I'm, I'm definitely go for a beer. And like I said, you know, if you're going something mid-stress, something like a, a Captain Sensible from Bolter, which is pretty good. I'm a big Pilsner fan. So, anything in the Pilsner spectrum, um, just for me, they're right on that edge of bitterness and fruity and a little hoppy. And I just... They're too easy to drink probably for me. Um, I'd probably say a Tommy's Margarita. I know we all love them here in Australia, but I just think that, you know, on my weekend where I'm allowed to have something a little bit more indulgent, I can't go past some really good tequila. And then I'd probably say maybe explore the – maybe like the the kind of either the Pet Nat or the kind of textural kind of skinsy whites this summer just because I think, you know, bone dry, uh, they tend to really go well with lots of different kind of meats or seafood or they can kind of do a bit of everything. And um, they're, they're thoughtful wines and normally have a lot of kind of texture and, and weight to them as well without – using any sugar or anything that's too tricked up. So I think, yeah, that might be my three. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it. What about you, Danny? Well, I think, I mean, sparkling for me is a definite. So yes to Pet Nat, totally. But I think for perhaps um, for New Year's Eve, I might have a special bottle of grower champagne in the fridge and, and crack that open at midnight. I'm just, yeah, champagne is um, is definitely my go-to. Uh, it's, yeah, I just, I just love it. Um so that would be definitely there. You know that I'm going to say spritz as well. So I know I'm still with the sparkling. What is wrong with her? But uh, spritz and summer just go together for me. And I think um, for my third one, I'm going to say chilled red because I, w- I would love to normalize. I'm not going to say ice in wine, but although I will admit to that if I'm watching the cricket and it's really hot and I feel like a drink, but I wasn't organised. Um, but I think chilled red, I think there, is, there are a lot of reds that are being, you know, that are out there um, amongst us um, built to be chilled. And, you know, even a simple one like um, the Brown Brothers Tarango is one that I've had recently that is, you know, really accessible and... Um, and yeah, just a, a really easy drink. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to say that chilled red. There's something interesting that happens to tannins when you're actually having a chilled red. And I think that it's the same kind of feeling as when you're having some textural whites as well, is that we, we experience tannins in a different way when, when something is slightly warmer on the palate and cooler. And so when you're having something like a chilled red, you're getting all these lovely vibrant, the aromatics come out, the red fruit come out, but then you're getting this dryness. And if somebody like yourself, Huck, who loves something like a bitter and an Amaro, you get this kind of contrast that happens. And I think that there's a reason why, yeah, chilled reds can really work, not just because it's hot, but because they you experience the wine in a different way as well. Chilled reds are right in my lane because I do love red wine, but it really knocks me around a bit, so I don't drink it a lot. And it's often the last drink I'll have, you know, in a meal and I'll maybe only have one glass unless it's a ripping bottle. But um, chilled, chilled reds have kind of changed 
the amount of red wine that I drink. That sounds like I drink a lot, but I but if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's what we're here to talk about. It's all right. Drink in moderation, people. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, finally, is there a drink that you love to give as a gift, whether it's a particular drink or a type of drink, uh, a drink for an occasion? Um, what do you reckon, Chante? You want to kick that one off? I'd probably say something that can be shared. And so I'm always probably pretty privy to something like a port or a sherry or something along the lines where you would open it to share it. And I think even dessert wine can fit into that category. And But it might come down to those, um, you know, memories of, of having a port with my dad's and, and kind of having that last drink where, you know, you're often sitting around in pretty heavy conversation or, or kind of, you know, something emotive and, and it's a special moment. But I think something that, you know, you break out and it's it's for something that you can all kind of indulge in. And I think things like Fortifieds are great for something like that. And you don't do it very often, but when you do, it's usually um, with the people you love. Mm, special. What about you, Huck? Uh, well, these days, um, because we live in uh, the nation's capital, Canberra, and there's a lot of amazing wineries and there's also a lot of amazing beers and, and spirits being made in the region that I often tap into that. Um, you know, that sort of sense of place. And there's some great gins being made here as well. And I, I think gin is a great gift because it's a it's a party starter. It's, a, as Shante said, you know, something that you can share with people. Um, and, and that's probably my go-to. So it's probably a gin of the region. And, and if not, maybe Australian gin because there's just so many extraordinary ones. Mm. I think my go-to is probably a wine with a story. So a bit similar to you, Huck, it's like um, uh, whether it's uh, I've, I've been to that place with the person that I'm giving it to or we would like to go or I think we should go. I think, uh, yeah, drinks are such a brilliant way to yeah, carry a narrative. Um, so, yeah, I love that sort of extra layer of meaning that, that can come along with with a bottle that you, you wrap and hand over. Um Wow. I don't know if this podcast has made me more thirsty or has satisfied my thirst. I think um, there's so much to ponder. But, um, yeah, I think uh, we, uh, the three of us and the whole Deep in the Weeds network, wishes everybody listening some really joyful, uh, moderate and sensible drinking over this summer period. Um, certainly just, yeah, drinks are such a such a vehicle for celebration and and so much interest so um yeah thanks Chante for all your amazing work on over the glass and bringing those stories to light over the year with many more to come but it, yeah it's been fantastic sharing with you today my pleasure it's so it's so nice and I can't look for I'm looking forward to when we get to cheers a glass together but um Merry Christmas to you guys absolutely Merry Christmas